Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Want an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news and trends in the NBA? Listen to the NBA Daily Ding podcast. Wake up and turn up the NBA Daily Ding to stay informed on all things NBA here at The Athletic and wherever you get your podcasts. With the preseason in full swing, you don't want to miss a single episode of the Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA Show podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network every single Monday with myself, Zach Harper, and our cast of characters, Trevon Edwards, Jay King, Dave DeFore, James Edward III, Law Murray. We're breaking down every single big preseason story, and we're doing it with a lot of fun and a lot of trash talk. Make sure you're checking it out. The Basket Buds edition of the Athletic NBA show every single Monday morning right in your podcast face with a group that works like they do the group that embraces some of our mantras we talk about getting better every day we talk about playing together when you do those things you end up on a stage like this they compete they're NBA champions I couldn't be more happy for our players for our team for our organization for our city of Milwaukee NBA champions yeah it's big time This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I think this is going to come out on Friday, which would mean it's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave DeFore. That also usually means it's Nerder She Wrote. Uh, my man Mo DeKeel is here. What's up, Mo? Been a few weeks. How are you? What's up, Dave? Doing well. I have adopted a dog. I've become a foster fan. Yeah, well, this was this was the dog that uh, that we, we talked about a few weeks ago on the show. And uh, happily, he's going to... He's the fourth member of the pod. Everybody hang deal with it. I'm going to bring Hold him up every second. now and then. Now, hang on. What? I mean, I've got dogs that have been here yeah, but this you don't whole talk time. It. I do talk about it. Well, maybe not as much as you're now talking about your new one. <laughs> anyway, uh, joining us this week, not Seth Partnow, Derek Bodner, beat reporter for The Athletic, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Derek, things are kind of boring right now for you, huh? Nothing going on at all. It's a perfectly normal training camp, but I am happy that you guys have brought me on. You know, we've uh, we've been trying to do this internally. We've been talking about having Derek on for what? I don't know. Six weeks? Something like that? Yeah, I mean, for, for, for a while. But the most important thing here, and this is for the listeners, is he is replacing Seth today. And the reason why is he has a cat. <laughs> so I am hoping, like I do when Seth is on the pod, is the cat will somehow jump Derek the way I root for it to do it. <laughs> we, to we've set. been on the Zoom call for about 20 minutes, and this cat has just shown love and affection to Derek in a way that we're not used to seeing from our So disappointing. <laughs> so disappointing. If there's any crossover listeners with Sixers Beat, which I do with Rich Hoffman, they are well aware of the cat. 
Um, she will come walking by at random times, bump into the microphone, probably hit my keyboard, maybe even shut off Zoom. It'll happen. But she is an affectionate cat. She's just a very annoying cat. But yes. Yeah. Well, okay. listen, this well. is an animal friendly <laughs> podcast. Uh, it has been referred to as the dog pod previously. <laughs> um, and, you know, go out and get your pet spayed and neuter, all that good stuff. Uh, Derek, look, let's, let's just jump right into this because uh, I don't know. I didn't expect us to still be talking about this. Uh, can you catch us up a little bit on where we are, which feels a little bit like nowhere? Yeah, we're nowhere, but we have everybody yelling at each other. And, you know, I think so, you know, you going back, like you sort of asked, like, did you expect it to be still going on? Or at least you didn't expect it to still be going on. I think once it got past free agency, I certainly thought, well, Daryl's not going to trade him at this time of the season. I thought there was a very strong possibility Daryl was going to try to extend this into at least December when half the league can be traded again, maybe closer to a trade deadline. The question is whether or not Ben Simmons and his camp could make it uncomfortable enough where Daryl would come off of that plan. So I always sort of expected this kind of back and forth to happen through the media. And now from the Sixers perspective and Joel Embiid specifically today, publicly with his name attached to it, um, you know, every now and then I go, wow, this is really getting ugly. It's turning into a circus. But truth be told, you sort of expect it to be a circus because that is the only leverage Ben Simmons have. He has four years on his contract. He can't threaten to walk. This is the only thing he can do. But it, it's it's turning into a circus. And so you, I guess, when he didn't get moved on draft night, right, It's you, yep. start, you start sort of thinking, okay, well – it's got to happen in the next couple of days, right before free agency. And it wasn't very long. Like the turnaround was not long. How surprised were you that they didn't move him then? Like, I mean, it just felt like it was going to happen. All the signs have been pointing there. And, and after that, of course, it makes sense. All right, well, we're at least going to training camp. And you could even envision a scenario where it's like, okay, well, they, they worked this out ahead of training camp. And you're thinking about the trade deadline. But to me, that was that window that they just missed. And I was shocked that they missed it. I, I thought that was the time to strike for them. Yeah. No, I, I I thought if you had asked me coming into the draft whether or not he would have been traded, I would have thought it was certainly higher than 50-50. I thought there was a, a good chance. We don't truly know what offers were out there. You know, the only real information we have are the leaks that have come out of what Daryl Moore was asking for. We don't really know what his, you know, that that's just what's being leaked out there. There's probably a middle ground that he might have been able, willing to accept. We don't know how close any team was to that middle ground. But, you know, I, th I think this is just, it is, we've never really seen a player collapse as epically as Ben Simmons did against the Hawks and then request a trade. So we don't know, like, NBA decision makers are like you and I. There's some recency bias baked into that. We don't know how deflated his trade value was so soon after what really was a, a, a collapse of monumental proportions. So I think this has always been sort of like a tough situation to gauge. And I think because of that, I, th I think the trade market probably just wasn't what you or I were expecting, even knowing that he had just done what he did against the Hawks. I think it was probably lower than we expected. And because of that, Daryl's like, all right, look, I just got to get to the point where we can move on from that. Teams can remember that he is still a good basketball player, that he is still only 25 years old. Maybe you can bring him back, and, and it certainly looks like now that's going to be a lot tougher. But I think back in July, you thought maybe we can bring him back and get him back on board. But it's gone 
certainly not the way the Sixers like if the Sixers were hoping to recoup value nothing that has happened here in the last month has has worked in their favor but I think they still believe if they can get to December when the trade market is is warmer and there's more teams that can engage and they're probably right but boy is that going to be a, a tough eight weeks to get through like this is going to be not super fun not super fun I, I, it may not be tough if he doesn't come that's true no, I, <laughs> we should down a player it's, though all, yeah, yeah, but if go ahead, I'm sorry. If if they find a way to kind of win games, right? Like that's really what it's going to come down to. If they're able to win games without Simmons, which not an easy ask, right? He's an important piece, especially defensively. But if they're able to, that makes it easier to kind of hold out. Now, and here's my thing too, because I think you guys are right in terms of the trade offers. Like I'm not expecting a trade before the season because. Honestly, I couldn't imagine the offers have gotten better from where they were in the summer to where they are now. So if he didn't make the trades in the summer, I don't think you're making them now in the the fall. I think ultimately, too, it's going to take teams playing games and going like, oh, crap, we suck. Yeah. Right. Like it's going to take 10 to 15 games where they're like, we're not at all as good as we thought we were going to be or so-and-so is not panning out or this like there is some of that too like is there for sure every team is going to try to get a deal right now and it's 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 no different than me trying to find the best deal at the market and then just waiting a few days and then getting whatever if it's price drops whatever probably a poor analogy um i couldn't think of anything bargaining wise um but along those lines they will get i think the offers will progressively get better just on that, because I think you're right, Derek, and that teams are eventually going to remember who Ben Simmons is as a player. And to you your know, point, they're um, going to remember who they are. Right. Yeah. And, and that and that makes a big difference in, in the offers. And, of course, the December 15th deadline of when guys who signed this year, this offseason, can be eligible to be traded makes it a little more interesting. Yeah, no, but, I think to your point, there's a, a pervasive optimism at this time of year. I think that certainly impacts it. And also, it's just Everyone looks at Sixers and say, well, this is a bad situation that's getting worse. We already know you're, go- you're on that downward slope of how uncomfortable this is for Sixers. Why would I give up a deal that's even remotely risky for myself right now when it's just going to get worse and worse and worse? Buy on the dip. We're not at the bottom of the dip yet. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if Daryl Moore can just find a way to get through this portion, and I, th- I agree to your point, I think the biggest damage Ben Simmons can do, or at least the most leverage he can apply and how uncomfortable he can make it for the Sixers the most he can do that by is coming to camp and going full Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, right. this, you know the, the first few days of camp and media day is when it is most top of mind. It's when we in the media are going to ask the most questions. It's when Joel Embiid is most likely to slip up in his answer. It's when Doc Rivers is going to get annoyed by it. But you project this out three weeks and it's a story that's just been out there for a while and Ben's not here. Well, I, then I don't think it's going to be super uncomfortable for the Sixers. So I think it's sort of like an all out blitz by the both the Simmons camp and also some self-inflicted wounds by the Sixers and how they answer the questions. But you get through this tough period, and I think it becomes a little more um, tenable for the Sixers. How did we even get yeah, and I, here in the first place? Because it's not just one playoff collapse, right? Like, I mean, this is—he's been there for years. It, it, is it just a case of too much chatter in the media talking about his his, his issues on the court and lack of fit? I mean, it, clearly there's stuff that has been brewing for a while, but you hear some of the stuff coming out of Simmons' camp. And it sounds like none of this is new. Now, a few years ago, I predicted Simmons might be the first player 
to potentially sign a qualifying offer and try to get into free agency. Now, this was when we thought he might be a better player than he is, which he's still a really good player, but he's not, you know, a LeBron level talent. Uh, This actually feels like a better move for him. If you want to be crass about it, he signed the deal. The deal is signed and now he's trying to get moved. Well, and, and if you go back to it, it's better for the Sixers fans too than if you would have walked because you're going to get something back in a trade. You just have to go through right. this annoying period. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think how we got here is probably something that only one person truly knows, and I think probably the Sixers don't even truly know. You know, Sam Amick certainly had a lot of detail. Um, wrote a piece, I think, on Tuesday over at The Athletic, uh, some small publication, but it was a good piece. Uh, so go check that out. You know, but he had a lot of detail in there about there's always sort of been like a belief with Simmons that he was always going to be the um, you know number two option here in Philly as long as Joel Embiid was there. There's nothing personal, but he thinks a team um, can be constructed around him that would make use of his talents better rather than a sort of like a post up big man. Uh, so there's that, and then there's you know I think certainly the trade requests or the I'm sorry the trade rumors that happened the Simmons for Harden, not rumors because they were true, the trade discussions that were happening with the Sixers and the Rockets last December and January, I think certainly contributed to that. I think Embiid and Simmons' comments certainly contributed to that. I think the way that the city uh, sort of got on Simmons after that collapse against the Hawks contributed to it. And sort of like, I guess the way, you know, I think there was probably always this belief in Simmons' mind that I could be more if a team was perfectly constructed around me. But you can keep that at bay when you're winning and when you're optimistic about winning. But now that they've, you know, they've, the three years, uh, there's been three playoff runs where Embiid and Simmons were both healthy for the playoff runs. All three have ended in second round exits. When you sort of have that belief in the back of your mind that you can be better, and also you haven't had the team success to offset that, and also you have a team that had just tried to trade you, and also you have some comments from the star player and a coach uh, that didn't necessarily have your back and pinned a lot of the blame on you, or at least from his perspective did. I think all of that sort of adds up and that nagging feeling you had behind you, you're not able to keep down anymore because of everything else that's going on. So I think it's, I think it's a bunch of things. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned there that Simmons maybe feels like he's never going to be more than the number two or whatever. Well, and Joel Embiid today, the day that we're recording this Thursday, I mean, he had some statements that kind of just said the exact opposite. And, and I'm going to paraphrase. Jade may, may drop in the, the actual quote here because I actually think it's worth listening to the entire clip. It's like two and a half minutes long, but I, I'll paraphrase here. The situation is weird, disappointing, borderline kind of disrespectful to all the guys that are out here fighting for their lives. Some guys rely on the team to be successful to stay in the league and make money somehow. I feel like our teams have always been built around his needs. This is Embiid talking about Simmons. So it was kind of surprising to see. I mean, the reason we signed Al Horford is Simmons. We got rid of Jimmy because he needed the ball in his hands. Now, clearly, Joel Embiid disagrees with Ben Simmons and and his view of how things are. I don't think Embiid is saying anything here that isn't true. This stuff is true. Certainly. I I, I have a couple of uh, uh, retorts here. <laughs> Please, um, let's in, go. In this. The, first off, he's right about the Jimmy thing. Right. I think there's no arguing that, right? Like Ben Simmons and Jimmy weren't really kind of seeing eye to eye. I don't think there's there's that. And, and that is also because of that. That's also why I wouldn't be concerned of Simmons coming to camp and pulling a Jimmy Butler because he's never shown that no, fight at all. No, it's not in his, his personality at all. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that. So that's that's 100% right. Joel's 100% right on that. You build this team, it's 
the way you build around him, it's the same stuff you build around Embiid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Embiid talking about shooters and Embiid talking about needing a, the need for a shooting big. You do that, even if you didn't have Ben Simmons, you would do that because Joel Embiid's a heavy post guy, you know, and even him stretching out to threes. He's been doing that since he came into the league, was averaging minimum three three-point attempts a game ever since he's been in the league. You know, I think it's something that like he's wanted to add to his game, something that a lot of modern big men have added to their game and things. So like when he, like, I think they built a team that was works around the both of them because what, what you would need around Simmons is the same stuff you need around Joel Embiid with his shoot, which is shooting to create space in all of that. I, I think, you know, I kind of understand where Simmons is coming from in the sense of like, Yo, this is Embiid's team through and through, right? Like when you look at the usage rate, Embiid's number one, Harris is number two, Simmons is three. Just, you know, if you look at somebody who's averaged over 30 minutes, if you just go straight down, Shake Milton has a higher usage rate than Ben Simmons last season. I think all of those things are kind of stuff that comes to fruition here in in making Simmons feel that way. Because I honestly think I do want to see Simmons as the number one guy, I want to see him in an environment where you just sit similar to the way Milwaukee is set up. And I may be plugging my own piece here on bleacher report, but yeah, I think there's an, there's an area there where I think that's what Simmons is talking about. It's not so much built around him as much as give me the ball and let me have it for a lot more than I have to go and feed it to Embiid in the post. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I agree on some respects. Like, certainly, if you were going to design a team to fit Ben Simmons' strengths, a post-up heavy big man is not where you would start. You know, I think a lot of people look at it, well, all right, well, Embiid shot 38% from three. Yeah, how many possessions is he, you know, spending parked down in the paint? And that's never, like, Ben Simmons is never going to be good playing off of a post-up big man. That's not, there's really nothing you can do outside of put him in the dunker spot. Part of the problem, you can't do anything with him when Embiid's posting up is because he never learned how to shoot. But right. the truth is, like, yes, uh, it, would he be better offensively, individually on uh, Minnesota? Sure, of course. It's more natural fit. But he, I think he would be marginally better individually, offensively. I'm couching that with a lot because I don't think he's going to be, like, transformatively better. He's not going to become a Giannis. He doesn't have that kind of scoring mindset or skill set. And also... The team's not going to be better because that that p- defensive pairing is never going to be as good. You're never going to find a big man who can protect the rim like Joel and also space out the three-point line like Joel can. There just aren't many of them out there. So I think that individual Simmons success, which I think is only going to be marginal. Like I think if you go back and you look at Al Horford, when he was playing with Al Horford without Embiid uh, two years ago now, he was scoring about the same points per possession I think it was like maybe 5% higher true shooting. So he was more efficient. He had a little more assists. He was better for sure, but he wasn't like entering a new stratosphere. And I think ultimately the bottom line isn't what is between the paint or clogging the paint. It's what's between his ears. Like he's, there's still going to become a point. If he's a number one option, he's going to get fouled. He has to be willing to accept that free throw line constant, confidently. And if he's not, then he's not going to attack the rim confidently. He's going to be right in the same spot. So like ultimately, yes, 
theoretically, if you the, the way I phrased it on pod the other day is if you remove all context around a situation, I think he you could construct the team better around him offensively. But the core underlying issues, I think, are still going to be there. But I also understand why Ben wouldn't necessarily have the perspective to look at that the way that I do, because it's you're not usually your own self-critic. Um, but yeah, I think it's complicated. I, sure. How much of the issue that everyone has with Ben Simmons is about our own, I don't know, preconceived notions about his position. I don't, the guy's not a point guard. He doesn't have the touch. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the shooting. Like he's not an NBA point guard in the sense that, that we think of a guy who's a drink stirrer because you're just not worried about him ever scoring the basketball when he does. It's not in the half court. It's not a guy that you can really build a functional can you build a half court offense around him? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know that yeah. he's got the touch to be able to do it. Um, you know, Mo, I know that I know you've a got a great article. I know Bleacher over Report. Bleacher Report, you've laid it all out for us. Uh, but Mo, I, like, I, look, man, say what you will about about Giannis and the stuff that he does, but he is a, a lot more dangerous in the half court. The touch is 100%. there, the willingness to take shots. And it, I mean, and let's not deny the fact that him shooting those mid rangers that he wound up shooting here and there actually mattered being willing to take contact get to the basket get to the basket and shoot the free throws even when you're not making them that's the difference the free throws thing is 100% and it ben has to just get better on that doesn't matter wherever he goes you know and that was actually a complaint i've had about lonzo ball in the past right like all of these guys they have to get better as a free throw shooters cuz it affects their aggression mm-hmm. But I'm going to push back about Ben in the half court. And it's, you know, I, listen, I, I, I get in a little bit of trouble because I'm looking at the Utah game where he drops 42, yep. right? And he was a monster in that game. And he was doing it many different ways. And it all starts with the ball in his hands. It starts with him going, okay, dribble handoff. No, I'm just going to break it and go right down the rim and attack. Oh, early offense and you have a big on me? Boom, I'm going to go. He comes off the uh, uh, DHO with uh, Seth Curry. And Royce O'Neal's on him, and Royce O'Neal's dropping. Hey, take the shot, take the shot. Doesn't matter. Simmons still drives and gets into the lane and gets a layup. You know, he takes, you put a guy like uh, Bohan Bogdanovich on him, and he took him into the post. Like, there's, there are, and these were all stuff that were in either early offense or half court settings. And that's, and I didn't even show the clips of him dropping dimes and stuff, because that's what he does, right? Is he creates threes for everybody. And I think that's an important aspect to it. But I think, you can't do a lot of that with Embiid on the court. And I think that's the thing where I think that stuff. And I think that's the offense you build around him. You know, he isn't Giannis. He isn't going to score an average 30. Like it's not, he's not physically imposing as Giannis, but he's a better ball handler than Giannis. And he's a better passer than Giannis. And all he's got to do is just draw in guys and kick the threes. And he'll do that. And if teams won't help off those guys, he will attack and finish at, at, at the rim. You got to hope he will at least. I will say this is a funny conversation to have about a team that has really been pretty good, right? Like the, the Sixers. Yeah. Oh yeah, right, the Sixers have been pretty good, and and I've been arguing all summer. I'd love to see them run it back and and see what happens because I will stand by this. I, I think if Danny Green doesn't go down, we've got a different Eastern Conference to talk about right now because I do think that the Sixers had a shot at making a run to the finals, but they didn't have the depth to be able to, to make up for losing Danny green. And then it doesn't help you that Embiid was hurt and Simmons just completely shits the bed the way he does. Right. Um, but that's over time to move on. The Sixers have to move on 
And I guess, Derek, the question is, are they going to have to take a step back here to actually move forward? So, like, in are we talking about in, in the regular season? Are we talking about in the trade? Overall, get back franchise from them? trajectory, is it going to have to take a step back? Maybe they're not in that conference finals contender picture, which right now they aren't without Simmons. No. You know, you don't know what they're replacing him with. But does it feel like they're for sure taking a step back? Maybe they're out of that top four. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think if if so, like when Ben, if if you're going to start the season off without Ben, that's what I expect to happen. I don't think they're going to play. Uh, you're putting a lot on Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid's out for even a two or three week stretch, they're going to really struggle to stay competitive. So I think you're probably talking without Simmons. I think you're still talking playoff team, but mm-hmm. certainly I think you're talking five, six seeds somewhere in that range, especially with the Eastern Conference. You know, there's a lot of teams that got better from Miami. I think Boston's going to be better. I think it's going to be a strong Eastern Conference. So yeah, I don't expect them to be challenging, challenging for a top three seed without Simmons. In terms of a franchise as a whole, though, it it's so tough to say because who knows what's going to happen here at the trade deadline or between December and the trade deadline, whenever that trade would happen, does a team get desperate? Uh, does another star ask out, you know, the Sixers right now are in a pretty good spot in terms of young players. They can trade draft picks. They can trade. Most contenders don't have, I think the Sixers owe one draft pick as part of the Al Horford trade. Other than that, they have all of their picks. They have a couple of young guys in Maxi and Thibel, even shake Milton, who's on a cheap contract, who would be positive assets in trades. So, it, it's hard to say when we have no idea what's going to happen in the trade market, but I think the logical outcome is, yeah, they're probably gonna take a step back here unless Maxi just comes out and he's, you know, got a huge sophomore season ahead of him. I think they're probably going to take a pretty significant step back here as a true contender with the hope that you can eventually find yourself in the right spot to land that co-star that quite frankly, Embiid's been looking for now for a couple of years. They just have not had a perimeter creator outside of Jimmy Butler. You know, and when you, when you, when you talk about, um, you know, Simmons and Kenny B, you know, a big part of what they've lost, I think, is not, you know, and, and whether or not, going back to whether or not they really built their team around Simmons, one of the concessions I think they did make, they just did not pursue these high-level perimeter shot creators because Ben was going to have the ball in his hands. Uh, and I think that's really left them a little bit behind the eight ball now if Ben does leave because they just don't, outside of Maxi, they don't have any real viability creating off the dribble from the perimeter. So, yeah, I think they're probably going to take a step back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, Mo, I guess let me ask you, um, outside of a high-level perimeter creator, is there anything else that would be on your your Sixers wish list to try to maximize Joel Embiid and his impact? And, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to lose Simmons. That's over. So now how do you replace him? How do you replace the production? And maybe how do you make the team better even? I mean, uh, to, to be honest, uh, 
I don't know if there is anything else they can ask for, but a high level playmaker, right? Like, I think that's the most important thing they're looking to kind of bring in. What if it's not available Obviously, though? I, like, should they, like, I what mean, could they get? Is it two or three guys that are, you know, okay. You're adding depth pieces. That's not enough. I mean, it's not going to push you over the I top. Mean, it's, it, it, uh, unless you're thinking like, here's the, here's the other problem and the other component to it. There are no free agents, right? right? It's not like you're saying, okay, let's look at next season, at least next off season. We can get these three pieces and then sign this guy. So, you know, the only thing I'd say would, would it kind of just be in Daryl Morey is like, if he is taking those pieces, he has another trade in, in, in his yeah. pocket somewhere yeah. else. Like he has another plan coming through with either including some of those guys or keeping some of those guys and sending somebody else out and, and moving those things around. But you know, it's going to be all about a, a high level playmaker. And that's why, honestly, I don't think they should even rush the trade on even December 15th. It literally like uncomfortable or not, even if you're losing games, it sucks. And all of that stuff, you know, it's almost just like, look, we got to wait this thing out. Like, let's see how this goes. I mean, it, it, you have till the trade deadline, you know, um, and I don't think Simmons is sitting out a full year. I agree. So I just I, I just can't see that happening. It would be shocking. Um, and, and that's a whole other podcast if if that happens. But I think you're just in a position you got to kind of wait until that happens. It goes just back to what I said in the very beginning. Let the season begin. Now let me let's get 20 games in and see where, where teams are. At. You feel any sort of extra rush because you've got a 28 year old MVP candidate. I mean, this is uh, I, I'm assuming at least the early prime or of Embiid's career. You know, I mean, it, we've seen him do better as far as his physical conditioning. Um, this is poised to be the time where he should be winning MVP awards, potentially pushing his team to the finals. I mean, does this kind of, obviously it, it makes it a little bit more uh, stressful situation for them, but do you think that that's going to inform how they make this trade or is it going to be much more long-term stability like we need three or four years of being pretty good to give ourselves a chance or do we want to try to just take a big swing uh i think a lot of that is going to come down to joel Embiid himself you know if joel Embiid puts pressure on daryl morey i think daryl morey is very superstar focused he's not going to want to piss off the one thing that is really making his franchise relevant uh, and i think he's shown that throughout his career especially in houston with harden at times to his detriment with the russell westbrook trade you know, but I think if if there's not sort of like a pressure from Joel Embiid to get him help now, you know, I think Daryl Moore is going to look at it and say, okay, well, what's going to increase our chance in the next, like, a, he looks at everything in like a three-year window. So I don't think he's necessarily going to worry about winning games in October, November, and December, you know, but he is going to be worried about making the best trade that can help him in April, May, and June, and certainly over the next three years. So I don't think he's going to do anything right now. Like, it, in no world do I think he's sitting here saying, well, gosh, we really want to be a top two seed. And I can't do that if I keep Simmons now. So let's just get what we can for him. But I think he's, he's, I think it's, if he feels like he can get a really good package or a significantly better package, that'll help him over the next three years by waiting until the trade deadline. He's not going to worry about the short-term wins as long as Joel Embiid is okay with that. I see the tail. We've got some cat action. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I guess any, oh, oh, go I, ahead, Mo. I wanted to just kind of answer just on that. You know, it's, the other important aspect too is if, and you kind of saw it in Embiid's face today in the video of him with the press conference of just like, that's the one thing that could change the timeline yep. is if Embiid really gets frustrated to the point where he goes into Daryl's office going, yo, 
I'm tired. Trade the dude. Trade him now. I'm out. Um, type of deal. And I think, you know, that's that's the one thing I think that could change the timeline. I don't know if Embiid would do that because I feel like Embiid would kind of, or at least Daryl would be able to talk to him about like, this is what's going on. But it's that's the thing to watch for in the urgency. If the urgency were to change all of a sudden is Embiid's demeanor. Because that was one of the more impressive, more important things I took away from the video was just, Embiid looked very tired. He did. And this is day, day, day three two, or whatever. Yeah. Th- th- of, of answering these questions day three, like, you know, like, so it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see how that kind of affects the the time. That's a good point, Mo. And there's already an escalation there. So it's a distraction. I mean, it was a distraction day one, but you can see that now that the camps are kind of going back and forth, it's going to be worse. And this is where, you know, I guess we'll see what, what Doc Rivers can do as a coach and, and bring in the locker room together. Um, any closing thoughts as we're look like staring down the barrel of preseason? I mean, it's like four days, three days away. And by the time we record again, there's going to be preseason games. I can't believe we're here, but uh, Derek, you're, you're the guest. I'll let you go first, even though Moe's got his hand. What's what? No, 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 no. Cause I'm going, cause I'm going to Derek. Cause I'm oh, going to oh, Derek. Okay. That's all. all right. I'm going all to right. Derek. That's why I was like waving like a airport airplane yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> He's out here directing traffic. <laughs> um, I got my question for you, Derek, because you have to focus everything on the Sixers. What's what are you most interested or excited about outside oh, of Philadelphia? What that you're looking at, like, this is what I really want to see this. I'm excited to check out this storyline or whatever, not Philadelphia Sixers related. That's a that's a really good question. I have been so focused on a point guard who refuses to shoot that I truthfully haven't thought too much about the actual NBA season in quite a while. I mean, look, the Nets played nine games together. I'm interested to see how they they all play together. Um, I that that trio is fascinating. I think to everyone, I'm interested to see how Clay comes back and whether or not they can look like they used to. Uh, and I'm always interested in in young players. Like I, I can't wait to watch Cade. Uh, I can't wait to watch young players progress throughout their career. I, in all honesty, that right there, um, the progression of young players throughout the career. That's probably always my number one answer, almost regardless of the season. Um, I sort of had my background. I initially started writing about the NBA by covering the NBA draft through Draft Express. So that kind of progression and watching those players is, I think, probably always my answer if I'm if I'm focusing league wide. Mo, see, Dave, I asked that was a good question. That was a very good question. Every now Mo. and then, I come up I with like one, it. but it, you. I'm going to spend the next six days of my life talking about nothing <laughs> other than a point guard who refuses to do the most simple and basic task in basketball. So. You think just six you days? Should, yeah. You think, just, you, you think just six you know. days? I don't think a trade's coming till near oh, no, no, the trade no, no, deadline, homie. You talking call. about no, no. Simmons? I'm just hoping that you, maybe a basketball game will give me something else to talk I, about. He's, I will he's say this. Sure. I will say this. Doc Rivers uh, should have a pretty interesting perspective because remember Rondo like stopped shooting for for a yeah. while. Yeah. Um, very very similarly. Uh, well, I guess Mo, any any closing thoughts this week? I mean, again, this is like the last show before preseason, so this is the last time nobody's I'll listening. My, I'll, I'll do my mini rant uh, that I, that I I'll revi- <laughs> I'll relive the mini rant I gave you guys just before we started recording. But the uh, th- we just got a tweet from Adrian Rojanowski saying the NBA is closer to ninety five percent vaccinated. I think we spent so much time focused on Kyrie Irving talking, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal. We kind of just lost sight of like, yo, the training camp's coming. Guys are going to get vaccinated during that time. You know, I think we're going to be a lot closer 
to 100% even than the 95. I won't be surprised if we're in like the 98 range by the time the NBA season actually begins. So I think everybody just needs to chill a little bit on all the NBA, this whole anti-vaxxer problem in the NBA and things like that. Let's just see where we're at on October 19th and where the numbers are in terms of that. Because I think we're going to be a lot closer than where we were. And by the way, 90%, it's still an A. It's good. Well, yeah, I mean, my, my only concern there is you've got a couple of very high profile players, which first of all is going to like if that impacts standings at all, it like people talk about it no matter if it's one person or 10 people or whatever. And second of all, it's just the the you know, they have a very big platform. The messages that they send, I think, are counterproductive and damaging. So it concerned me from that perspective, too. I do agree the overall 95 percent is a pretty good number. Um, and it's certainly made a lot of progress here in the last couple of weeks. So I agree with you there. Uh, I also have to say. Mo's Tavern background is Chef's Kiss 100. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, Mo, Mo kills us with these Zoom backgrounds. He actually got rated by some Zoom background <laughs> rating account because they didn't realize it was a fake background. But, you know, Mo's a baller. And Derek, it's all because of Derek, nerd she wrote. Derek, Derek, I had this fake house background amazing. with a piano in and the background. I, you know, I had all this stuff. It looked like a palatial estate in like the, the 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 mountains of Colorado. And like literally for about four days, people were like somebody sent it to rate the room Twitter account. <laughs> they rated, said there wasn't enough green, like no plants or anything like that. And then it became like people just kept and I'm laughing the whole time. I'm like, it was a stock photo. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I, listen, uh, you know, they tried to give him a Netflix uh, special because, you know, he was so popular. Oh, I would have taken yeah, that. exactly. I would have taken All right. Well, everybody, look, go and follow if you. Dave, what are you looking for? What about you? Oh, nothing. Absolutely okay, nothing. I, I, look, I'm ready. <laughs> Wait, it's a good thing we don't pay him for his basketball yeah. opinions. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm a caretaker here. Uh, no, I, I will say this. Uh, the NBA put out some stuff uh, talking about some of the, the competition committee rule changes, the points of emphasis. And I got a chance at Summer League to talk to a few people that are on the competition committee. And, and you know, it, it's nice to know that they actually do care that the game has kind of become gamified and bastardized to a certain sure. degree. They, the league is actually trying to solve the the broken parts of the game. And, and if they will stick with this, you know, calling offensive fouls when, when offensive players throw their bodies into, you know, helpless defenders who are in the air playing defense and, and they really clean this stuff up, it's going to make the game better. It's going to make it more watchable to me, a guy who is not a basketball purist. I don't want post-ups. I want good basketball, but I want it to be basketball. I don't want yeah. like if I wanted to cover the Globetrotters, if there was money in it, I actually would do it because it's funny. But there is no money in that. So I don't. But, you know, it, it's too we've gone too far away from the point in an emphasis to just try to oh, let's see how we can break rules to, to get advantages. And I do think spirit of the game gets lost. And it's important, man, like you need it to relate to the average person and to the game that they played to a certain degree. Clearly, NBA players. They play basketball at a level that the average dude who's touched a basketball will never attain. But it should still look the same. And I'm sorry, but some of these fouls, like if you called them in a pickup game, you'd probably get into a fist fight. And, and that's how we sure. ought to feel about the way these guys flail. So if I'm looking at anything, Mo, it's just that. But I, like everything else, trust but verify. I need to see it to believe it because I do not think that they will actually solve this problem. We'll, we'll give them a few months to try to fix it. I don't think it's going anywhere. You guys agree with me here? 
I think we'll, I think this is a good step in the right direction. It's my bigger thing is, will you continue to enforce it? So just you're along the lines. Is it going to be a thing we're going to do in October and November and forget by it? Yep. Uh, lip service does not pay the bills. So just, you know, show me what you got. Uh, everybody go and follow Derek on the app so that you get a notification when new stuff drops. Him and Rich Hoffman are out there at training camp. You guys are alternating going back and forth, uh, correct, with the, the daily digest and sort of giving updates. You, you wrote about Shake Milton and how, hey, this might be a big season for him. So everybody go and check that out at The Athletic. Subscribe. Uh, Derek, what's the name of the pod again? Because I cannot remember right off the top of my head. Uh, Sixers Beat. There we go. Go and subscribe to the Sixers Beat podcast. Check that out. Uh, him and Rich, again, do a great job there. Uh, Derek, thanks for coming on the show, man. We, we got to do this more often. Well, I mean, luckily the Sixers will, won't be controversial come next week. They'll be a normal <laughs> franchise. There'll be no opportunity to have me on. But I appreciate very much you having me here. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, for, for Mo and for Derek, uh, I'm Dave. Thank you guys for listening, as always. And we'll be back next week where we're going to have preseason to talk about. <laughs>